Glory to God. So good to see you all here this morning. It is a, it is a good day. Perhaps some of you can relate to this. There's a story, there was a comic that showed up in the papers. Lucy and Charlie Brown are in it. And Lucy says to Charlie Brown, he says, I hate people. I hate the world. I hate what I do. I hate everything and everybody. And Charlie Brown said to her, he says, I thought you had inner peace. And she said, well, I do have inner peace, but I have outward obnoxiousness. <laughs> How many of you know some people who have outward obnoxiousness? We want to be amongst those people that have the inner peace, not the outward obnoxiousness. Last week, we took a look at some scriptures. We're just going to review with you. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You are going to have tribulation in this world. There's nothing wrong with you if you do. But God says, you also have peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. You all know this verse, I'm sure, by heart. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Don't ever forget that part. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, guard, guard. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That is your guard. It is your umpire. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Well, if you start meditating on other stuff, you're not going to have the peace that he's promised you. These are the things you need to be thinking on. The things that are true. The things that are noble. The things that are just. The things that are pure. The things that are lovely. The things that are of good report. Meditate on other stuff. You won't have peace. You've got to meditate on these things. And another verse is clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Well, that's how you, you keep your mind right. Casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. We spent some time last week and other, week, other weeks seeing that when the enemy put things in the minds of God's people, what they ended up doing was questioning whether God even cared for them. You remember the disciples on the boat in the storm? Master, don't you care? Remember Martha, when she comes out of the kitchen getting things ready? Master, don't you care? The enemy 
wants to get you to not to think that he does not care for you. If you don't think he cares for you, you're not going to cast all your care on him. You're not going to do what these verses have said. And you're not going to have the peace of God. Jesus, in John chapter 14, verse 1 said, Let not your heart be troubled. That means it's up to you, right? Later on, he also said, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And Isaiah 26, in verse 3, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Trusting in God is important. But you see, a lot of things happen to us that we don't quite understand. We don't quite see the whole picture just yet. And the enemy is quick to come in and fill in that picture. Don't let him do it. Remember, we spent a long time looking at how we can discern whether things come from the right spirit or not. Not whether they're true, but whether they're from the right source. Brethren, don't believe all the spirits, but test the spirits, whether they be of God. Those are the things you think on. The enemy wants to fill your mind with many things. Do not let your mind think on those things that he puts in it. Identify the source. Stay with the things that God says. I want to take a look at a story here. A lot of times we look at stories in the Word and we think, well, those are just people that are not real spiritually mature doing things that are stupid. <laughs> right? <laughs> but we're going to look at some people today that are very spiritually mature. In fact... They are pillars of the church doing stupid things. We're going to look at why and how they were guided, not by the peace of God, but by other things. So if you would, you can turn over in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, we're going to be in, over in verse 1. Now remember some of the things we went over last time as far as peace is concerned. First off, refuse to be anxious. Stay thankful. Be humble. Make faith-filled prayers to God about the things you need. Keep that in mind. Verse 1. Then after 14 years, Paul is telling his story. We're kind of jumping in the middle of it. But we, what we want is many verses down. And I just wanted to get us kind of in the running of what he's talking about. After 14 years, I went up to, again to Jerusalem, second trip with Barnabas, and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel, or that gospel, which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or have, or had run in vain. So he has a private meeting first with those that it seemed to be of reputation. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So this is after... 14 years, this is more, this seems to be more along the accounts, if you want to go back and check this out, along Acts chapter 15, more than Acts chapter 11. Now, it says he went up by revelation. A better rendering of this is because of revelation. So, because of the revelation that he had, he went up. And that's why he was going over to this place and having this meeting. In verse 4, and this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in. Did I read verse 3? Yeah, we did. And this occurred because the false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So this occurred because of false brethren. 
they have the, the private meeting because of false brethren that came in to spy out our liberty, which we, with, which we have in Christ Jesus. We're going down to the next verse. But from these, or from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. Now, he's not putting these guys down. He's just saying that these guys that were leaders here in Jerusalem, we, we have no connection. I have not received anything from them. They haven't received anything from me. They're just, they're prominent people. They're important folks. So we went on down there to uh, show them what's going on. But I didn't go down there because I needed their approval. I needed uh, anything from them. Stuff like that. And he says, beside that, God doesn't show personal favoritism to anyone. Make sure you keep that in mind. Because sometimes we think, well, so-and-so got their prayers answered because God likes them more. Because they're doing more. Because of this. or Because of that. God doesn't show personal favoritism to anyone. What he shows favoritism to is faith. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, if you get in faith, you'll have favor. So just understand this too, that there are people out there that are trying to subvert, sub, subvert things. That's their goal. When he talks about it here, he said, because of those who came in secretly, by stealth, to spy out our liberty, which, which we have in Christ Jesus. There are people in your life, there are people in the body of Christ that are in there and they are in stealth. They are hidden. You know, the, the Air Force has these uh, jets that are stealth jets that they can fly and not be detected by most radars. That if you show the radar, there's no blip on the map. They, 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 they can't be seen. They can't see them. So if they can come on in in stealth and be able to make a strike. They're very expensive aircraft. <laughs> they, they cost a lot of money to make those things. But uh, that's why they do that. And then other people had to spend more money on their radar to be able to detect them. But he's relating this. Now, he's not, he doesn't know that kind of technology because they didn't even have planes back then. But he's talking about people who come in and are undetected. There are people who will try and come into your life undetected. Who will try and mess with your liberty. Who will try and pull you into a bondage. And you not even would be aware of it. Now you can be aware of it. But you may not be. Stay in the areas that God has given you. And they won't be able to do it. Because if you have the peace of God, you have the umpire on the inside of your life. And this is what we're going to see in this. That some of these people were able to pull some people out. But if you have the peace of God to be a guide to you, then when these people come in, everything they say is nice. Everything they do seems to be really good. But down on your spirit, you're saying, no, no, something is not right. Something is wrong. And the Spirit of God will tell you what to do about it and how to go about it with it. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus don't like them. Now, believe it or not, there are some people in the body of Christ that you may just not like. You'll love them. <laughs> but you may not like them. They may operate in a certain way, do certain things. And it's just not somebody that you want to spend a whole lot of close connection with. But there's other people that you do connect with. And you'll, you'll have that. Don't mistake that. Don't mistake that part of it. He's talking about something different. This is talking about people who come in and they want to undermine your faith. They want to pull you in a different direction. They're not just having some quirks 
in their personality. They're not just having some funny things that they do. It's very different. So let's go back over here to verse 7. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter. Peter had been in the church, a leader in the church far longer than Paul. And Peter was the one taking the gospel to those that are circumcised, the Jews. That's who he was commissioned to go to, to minister to. Paul was commissioned to go to the Gentiles. Verse 8, For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised or to the Jews. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I was eager to do. So they saw the grace of God on what Paul was doing and they even bore witness with it. And they said, this is good. We're going over here to the Jewish folks. God has given us grace in that area. But God has given you grace in the area with the, to the Gentiles. And we know that Jesus said that to us to go to the Gentiles. And so you have the grace of God for that. They, they acknowledged it and they were on board with it. Now that's the, that's the setup. It's important to know those, those things. Let's get into the meat here. Verse 11. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, this is Antioch where Paul, Paul is out of this church of Antioch. Peter is out of the church of Jerusalem. These are the two head churches during this time. Ephesus would come up as well and they would be a, a lead church. But at this time, the two main churches are Antioch and Jerusalem. These are the places where others are being sent from. People are being sent from Antioch. People are being sent from Jerusalem. And they're going out and they're ministering. Uh, there are other cities are sending people too. But these are the two main areas of which they are being sent from. So Paul has joined himself with those in Antioch because in Jerusalem he didn't get a very good reception. And so he went out to, to Antioch and was very well received there. Peter had no reason to leave Jerusalem. He's operating out of there. Peter leaves Jerusalem to come on up and see what's going on over here in Antioch. And as he came, it says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So here's the setting. Peter comes into the church of Antioch and his buddies, his Jewish buddies from Jerusalem are not here. There's other Jewish people around, but it's not his buddies from Jerusalem, which is where he's from, what here he's of. These are the folks that empower him, send him out. This is the people who he works with. So they're not there. So while they're not there, he establishes a pattern of behavior with the Gentiles in which he's sitting down. And he's eating with them. He's fellowshipping with them. He would have had a hard time with this before. But God helped get, set him free on these things. And so he was having a good time. He'd come on down. Gentiles would be sitting at the table. He'd sit down there with them. And they would eat. And they would enjoy things. And then some of his buddies from Jerusalem came. We're not just talking about other Jews. We're talking about people who know Peter. 
and who know the people back in Jerusalem. And, of course, they're going to talk. So as soon as he sees them come into the city, he's thinking, hmm, if I keep going the way that I'm going, they're going to say some things to those people back in Jerusalem and things may not go well with me. And so he's, he's questioning all this. He's, he's not real, real glad about, he's envisioning how this would have all uh, transpire. So he says, what is the one going to do? I'm going to withdraw from eating here. I'm going to go over here and eat with my buddies and we'll just kind of say, you know, that, well, my friends came from Jerusalem. I'm over here hanging out with them, and and uh, and that's it. Just leave it at that. But Paul saw this going on. Then he saw some of the other Jewish folks who uh, were following after Peter's example. And now all of a sudden there was a rift between the Jewish folks and the non-Jewish. And so now we're separating for the meals. Now we're not eating together. Now, some of the things aren't, aren't happening together. We got that rift that comes in. We got that separation. And he gives the reason why that happened. It didn't just happen. It happened for a reason. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas. Remember Barnabas? Good guy. I mean, he's the guy who went out and got Paul. Brought Paul back. Got Paul started in ministry. Barnabas. The one who was known as the generous one. The one who gave all that money in the church when they needed it. He set lots of precedent. He set lots of examples. But he's following after Peter. Why wouldn't Barnabas follow after Paul? I mean, these guys have been chummy for a long time now. Why is he following after Peter? What is it that has gone on? Well, Barnabas has ties to Jerusalem. More so than Paul does. And when these guys get there from Jerusalem, he's feeling pulled I mean, they all come into the lunchroom and Barnabas is about ready to go over into a Gentile section. And probably his buddies say, you, you aren't going over there, are you? Oh, no, no. I was, we can go over here. We can sit down. And so they come on over here and they, they sit down. They don't go over. And he began to, to change his behavior. Now he goes on and he tells us why this happened. It didn't just happen for any reason. So Peter had been there for a while. He established himself a pattern of behavior until these guys came on over. Here's the reason for it. Verse, uh, let's go over verse 12 again. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself. What? Fearing those who were of the circumcision. He became afraid of the people, the, the Jewish folks who came from Jerusalem. Why? Why is he suddenly afraid to do what he had been doing already? Now, the reason that he ate with the Gentiles is because down in his spirit, didn't he feel a peace about it? This is okay to do. God's not putting that separation there. This is okay to do. We can go over here and we can do this. And then all of a sudden, these folks come in and something whispers in his ear. If you go over there and you keep eating with the Gentiles, these people are going to say some things to the people back in Jerusalem. And then they're going to cut off your support. They're not going to help you financially. Or they're not going to do this. Or they're not going to be chummy with you. You might lose your credentials. They put all kinds of things in his head. Whatever it is that was going to minister to him. Whatever it was, it caused fear inside of Peter. Now, Peter is no slouch in the gospel. He is one of the pillars 
one of the leaders, the leaders of the church. Not just a leader of the church of Jerusalem, but a leader in the church overall. Barnabas, a leader in the church overall. Not just the leader among a, a city, a leader amongst the church overall. Barnabas is even being pulled aside by these things because of fear. Now, how are we supposed to be guided? Peace of God. Let the peace of God rule you. Let the peace of God umpire be the umpire for you. I, I, I wrote it in my outline. I didn't uh, have it in yours. Let me uh, jump on over to it. In uh, Colossians 3.15, this is how it reads in the New King James. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Here's how the Amplified renders this. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you are called as members in one body of believers and be thankful to God always. So let the peace of Christ be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. That's how the Amplified puts it. That's what we are to do. That's how we are to, to go. That's what the peace of God is supposed to do. It's supposed to decide these things. Now, the peace of God had been deciding things for Peter, but when these folks in Jerusalem came, what decided for them? Fear. Because he's presented with a choice, isn't he? Continue to do what I have been doing or go back to what I used to do. These folks expect me to go back to what I used to do. These folks expect me to continue on with what I have been doing. Isn't it a choice between two things? Either I keep on doing what I have been doing or I change and do something different. Isn't that what the peace of God is supposed to do? To umpire, safe or out, foul or fair? But he's not letting it do that for him now. Something else is, is coming into play. So Paul says in verse 14, But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Uh-huh. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in, Christ, in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Now, Peter does this to them all. I put this in your outline for you. All the Jews were guilty that followed after Peter. So the confrontation of Peter was for the benefit of all, not the disgrace of Peter. Be careful if you ever get into a place where you must correct or rebuke someone that you do not embarrass. Just to embarrass. You do not disgrace. Just to disgrace. The only reason this is done publicly is because the sin was public and it led many people into it. Therefore, we had to take care of it publicly so that all came out of it. That's why Paul did it this way. And he brings them back to the place of faith because they're making decisions right now out of fear. If I get out of faith, I walk out of the peace of God. 
Because faith is a trust in Him. It's a belief in Him. If I get out of that faith, the peace of God is no longer going to tell me things that I need to know. Now say joy. You can tell when you have gone from a place of joy to a place of not joy. You can tell that pretty easily, can't you? But not always can we tell when the peace of God is no longer umpiring in our life. I can tell when the stabilizing force is gone. But I can't always tell that it's not umpiring my life the way that it was. I can't always tell that fear was there. Because you have someone here, Peter, walked with Jesus, one of his closest companions of the twelve. And the one who set out and was a leader of the twelve. You have this guy who detours off. Don't you think something was going on the inside of him to pull him back? What did he do? He didn't listen. Because he yielded to the fear. Now, if somebody would have come up to Paul and said, Paul, you're in fear. What do you think Paul would have said? Yeah, not in fear. Walking with God. Things are good. Understand that the peace of God can slip from you. And you can begin to make decisions based on the wrong things. Based on fear. Be careful about that. Don't make decisions based on fear. Make decisions based on faith. Father God, what are you having me believe for? What are you having me do? In this situation here, Paul and Peter were operating in a level of behavior, even though they were both Jews, that this peace of God has said, this is good, this is okay. And they had faith in that. And as soon as people came from outside, one decided it's not okay anymore, and the other one said it was okay. Paul kept on going the same way he was going. But then he didn't have that tie-in to these people who came in. They didn't, they didn't create any fear in him. So think of it this way. We've got Thanksgiving coming up. How many remember last year Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is time families get together. You think of families, friends, whatever it is, you get together with some people, and a topic of conversation comes up. And you're wondering, well, I know what the Bible says about that. I wonder if I should say it. And a fear comes up. Or maybe you're sitting there and you're having Thanksgiving dinner and the majority of your family, the place where you're at, are unsaved. And you believe, feel peace about, saying grace beforehand. And now all these people are not saying grace. They're just digging into the meal. Can you feel that little twinge that goes on when you want to bow your head and say grace? That's fear trying to get you to alter your behavior. That's all that it is. Just trying. Or when you are, you know, you're in a new church. You're out there on vacation. And you wanted to go to church on Sunday. And so you're in a strange state, a strange place. But you look up in the phone book and you find a church. And you, uh, you head on out there. And you're not sure, can I worship the way that I worship back home? Can I say the things that I say? Back home. And so you're just not sure. And so you're just, uh, you know, a little, a little apprehensive about what to do. I told you the story. It was a while ago. We went down to, to Florida one year. And we wanted to go to church. Family, we wanted to find a church somewhere. So we looked up in the phone book. And we found this, uh, a, a fairly good size um, charismatic church. And they were having services on Saturday night and two on Sunday morning. 
And we thought, well, you know what? We wanted to go someplace on Sunday morning. Going to a Saturday night church would be fun. So we decided we're going to go to the Saturday night church. And so we looked it up online. We found out where they met. And so we uh, punched it into the GPS and we went over to the church for Saturday night service. And we got in there and sure enough, church is meeting. People are carrying their Bibles in. And so we went on in to have church and we're ready for praise and worship session like we're used to. We're, you know, people might lay hands on the sick and they'll recover and things like that. So we're sitting there in the, in the service and it's just not happening the way that it usually happens. It's not quite going on the way that it, that it and we're, we're sitting through there and say, you know, they don't preach quite the same way. This is not what we were expecting. And so you're just not sure what the, because it's, it's not showing us any sign that it's the church that we saw advertised. But it's in the right place. We're at the right time. People came with their Bibles. It's obviously a church. We couldn't figure it out until we got done the service. And we were, uh, one of the pastors had come up and he was talking to us. And we said, uh, you know, we, we were convinced, well, you're looking for that. Oh, that church doesn't meet here on Saturday. They meet someplace else. They use our building on Sunday because we don't use it on Sunday. We use our church on Saturday. It was a Seventh-day Adventist church. <laughs> so they had church on Saturday. <laughs> so we're in there. <laughs> no, no, they, they meet down over here on, on Saturday nights because we're using our building. And on Sundays they come in and <laughs> we had no idea. <laughs> and it was a very different service from what we were used to. Not as bad as when I went to college, first year of college, freshman year, King's College, Barcliff Manor, New York. And um, I didn't have a car. But I could get places. And so I needed to find a church that I could go to. And so there was a church fairly close by. And so I walked on over to this church. I did not know anything about this type of church. But it was close by. And so I walked on in. And being ignorant the way that I was, I walked in and I sat in the front. Because that's where I always sat in church. You sit in the front. You know, it's the unsaved people that sit in the back. The people who don't want to be there, they sit in the back of the church. Now, we're not talking about the back rows here in this church. You're not very far from the front, even if you're in the back here. But, you know, most churches, when you have the back of the church, you have a, it's a back of the church. You can have conversations and no one even knows what's going on. We're talking about that type of a church. So I sit in there in the front. And, uh, you know, one of the things we were always taught, you get there early. I got there early. I'm there 15 minutes before the church is supposed to start. And I'm sitting in the front. Not quite the front row. I think the second or third row. I was right, right up there. And everybody else started to file on in. And none of them came up to where I was. Not a single one. There was no one in the front row. There was no one in the second row. There was no one in the third row. They were in the middle of the church and back. I was the most forefront person in the church. And then church started. And they sang a hymn. And then after the hymn... They all said some stuff. Well, they all knew what they were saying. I had no idea what they were saying. But they all made this reciting these things and they're saying these things. I don't know what they're saying. And then all of a sudden people started kneeling and then getting up. And then later on they'd kneel again and get up. So now I'm not just looking front. I'm kind of sideways. I'm trying to look at them and get an idea. Should I kneel? Am I supposed to sit? Am I supposed to stand? Is there something I'm supposed to say? I'm trying to fit in. I'm here at the front. So everyone can see you. (laughs) Everyone can see you. And we all know this person is not usually here. (laughs) 
So we went on through this. Well, I'll tell you what kind of a church it was, and then you can probably figure it out. It was an Episcopal church. I didn't know what an Episcopal church was until I had gone in there. And then I found out what an Episcopal church was, and it was very different. They were very friendly. They were very nice afterwards. And, you know, they could tell I was obviously a rookie. <laughs> Hadn't been through all this. Very nice folks. Uh, very pleasant. And didn't make me feel funny at all for not knowing the things to say and when to kneel and when to sit and when to stand and, and so forth. But, you know, it's, um, you, you can feel the pressure to, to, to comply. I felt the pressure. I need to kneel because everyone else is kneeling. I need to say whatever it is they're saying, even though I don't know what it is. And you feel that pressure to, to go on. This is kind of like what Paul is feeling, or Peter is feeling in this, this place. He's, all these people, they're going about their things that they do when they're in Jerusalem, when they're in their church. And so he just kind of went along with it. It was a fear that rose up in him that caused him to go out there and to do these things. And see, sometimes we have a fear that comes in and causes us to do some things that we wouldn't otherwise do. And we're not understanding that the peace of God is no longer umpiring our life. We've given over to something else. Isn't it amazing that in your Christian walk, you can give over to fear being the umpire instead of the peace of God and not even know it. But as soon as fear begins to take over your decision making, you are now susceptible to making a wrong decision. And that wrong decision can have big implications. In the case of Peter, it led a lot of people astray. Now, Peter, we hear what Paul tells us what Peter's actions did to the Jewish folks. What do you think it did to the Gentiles? I think they're sitting over there saying, Hey, Paul, how come Peter's not sitting with us anymore? What's going on? I thought you... Jewish folks were preaching the gospel of love. How come he's not talking to us now? How come he's not eating with us? What happened? And see, you can see where a rift can come in. And we're very familiar with that in this country. I mean, we, we don't have divisions between Jew and Gentile. Because we've got a lot of Gentiles. We have a lot of divisions amongst the Gentiles. And this world, and this press... And the things that are going on, they want you to divide amongst color of skin. They want you to divide amongst party affiliation. They want you to divide amongst causes that you stand for. We've got to make sure we don't give in to that. Because, see, that's not the peace of God messing with us. That's the fear coming in. And they wants to get us to be afraid. Well, if you don't stand for this, then these people over here, they're going to be mad at you because they're going to feel like you're not accepting them. You're not doing the things that are, that are good for that. And, you know, we'll even start talking about things, you know, uh, my people, your people. That shouldn't be going on. That shouldn't be going on at all. I, I've talked to you about this before. How many of you have ever seen that show that's on the TV, Tim Allen? And the, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it, Outdoor Man. Isn't that what it's called? Last Man Standing. Okay. Outdoor Man's the store. Last Man Standing is the thing. I love what they do in this show. They have so much fun with that. He has a, um, he has a neighbor. How many of y'all remember his neighbor? His neighbor's, his neighbor's great. I love his neighbor. His neighbor is just one of the highlights of the show for me. But his neighbor's black. 
and he's white. And they have the best, they seem to thoroughly enjoy each other and hate each other at the same time. <laughs> they're always cutting each other up, but they're always hanging out with each other. <laughs> Just constantly hanging out. And so yeah, sometimes, and they, they write, I know this is a script that is written, but I love that they write this stuff into the script. And there's a couple of times where they'll talk about your people, you people. And one time, Tim Allen, he comes up and they're talking. And Tim Allen's character, he says to uh, his neighbor's character, he says, well, you people always do that. And he goes, what people? Black people? He says, no, union people. Because <laughs> he was a union guy and he was not a union guy. <laughs> it's like, why are you going there? <laughs> I just love that they write that in and they just mess with it. You know, get people riled up on that sort of stuff because you're riled up on the wrong kind of thing. Don't be getting into that kind of stuff. Your people, regardless of the color of your skin, what country you came from, what country you were born in, what party you are affiliated with, your people are God's people. Period. And don't let the enemy ever come in and tell you different. That's your people. If you come across a Baptist folks and they're, they're over there at the restaurant and they're, fellow, they're, they're still your people. They're not, well, they're those people. No, they're not those people. They're your people. <laughs> they may be Baptist. You may be charismatic, full of gospel, whatever it is that you uh, call yourself. They don't matter. We are of God's people. And don't ever lose sight of that. We stand for God's principles. How many of y'all know God does not have a bunch of ways to decide something? Either God is on the side of something or He is not. That's all there is to it. And the peace of God will always bring you to His side. The fear will get you off of it. Don't follow the fear. Follow the peace. You know, look at those people rioting on TV. It's amazing the things we can find to riot about. I just get amazed that every time they, you see these riots, they're burning the property of other people who were not involved in anything that they're mad at. But they feel like they have the right to burn their property or destroy their things and ruin their stores, take their stuff, whatever it might be. That's wrong. That's, that, that shouldn't be going on. Don't ever let hate move into your, your heart. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to hate a group of people because they voted a certain way, because they believe a certain way, because their skin color is a certain way, because they talk a certain way. Don't, don't ever do that. Don't ever think on those kind of things. Regardless, and you've got to stay on guard about this because, you know, right now racial tensions are high. They should not be in the church. Should not be in the church. Just love people. Just have people, you know, I, there, are, there are some folks that are, happen to have a different color skin than I do, and I consider my closest friends, close, close friends, people that I just enjoy chatting with, people you say, hey, we're going to go out to the restaurant, and they come, I just get glad, oh, man, they're coming, all right, this, this is going to be fun, and there's people that if they're going to a certain restaurant, oh, dear, <laughs> regardless of the color of their skin, it's because of the, what's going on in their heart. It's because of what's going on in their belief. There are some Christians I absolutely love having conversations with. And there's other Christians that are so wrapped up in fear, unbelief, 
and other things, I don't desire to have the conversations with them. I'll still look at them and say, they're still our people. But they're just a little weak yet. We've got to get them a little bit stronger. Don't ever make decisions based upon what a person looks like. And I, I'm not preaching to you guys because I think you're doing it. That's, that's not the reason for it at all. But just know that the, the media is out there and they're trying everything they can to stir people up against one another. Thank God we have a church right here in this place. And we got folks from all kinds of countries, all types of skin colors. And Naz was talking to me out here at the work day yesterday. I love Naz's phrase. What can brown do for you? <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I, I can laugh at that. That's, that's funny. That's, a, that's all right. Because you see, we don't have to become the same skin color in order to enjoy each other. I don't have to start liking the same food. He likes some food that I don't think I'll take a hold of. I've heard him talk about some of the food that they'll eat. That's hot. A little too hot for me. A little too much there. You know, you like my family. There's, there's several kinds of restaurants my family will go to that I do not like. They're ethnic ones, you know. Uh, uh, Chinese is one of them. I will go reluctantly on occasion. But there were times when we just recently they said, we're going to go over to this Chinese buffet. I said, oh, that's good because I really don't want to eat lunch today. <laughs> and that was my attitude. You go, I'm just not going, to, I'm not going to eat anything. I just didn't feel like, you know, once, a couple of times a year I can get into Chinese food. I'm just not that. If you like it, that's fine. doesn't mean I don't like Chinese people. My favorite running partner is not of my ethnicity. He is, he is, he is not uh, a white American. He is different. And I enjoy him. I enjoy him immensely. I can't, he'll call me up sometimes and say, hey, can you go out for a run today? And we'll get disappointed if we can't connect it. But we all connected on this Tuesday night and we pushed each other. We had a good run. Check one of them this week. I say, are you going to be able to make it on Tuesday? Because I look forward to when he's coming. When he's coming, I got somebody to run with, and I am going to run faster. And we'll have some conversation on the way, but one of the things I really love about John is that John does not feel the need to talk while he runs. I thoroughly enjoy that about John. We'll talk a little bit here and there in the beginning. We'll talk maybe, you know, we'll think of something to mention it. But we, most of the time we're running. We're running, you know, an hour, hour and a half together. Most of the time, we are silent. When we get finished, we'll talk. When we're riding over to the group run, we talk. But when we're running, we're quiet. Why? Because we're focusing on running. It's, it's, it's just good. It's, um, you know, there's, there's people in my neighborhood, whether I go up and say hi to them or not, has nothing to do with their race. I don't just look to, to say hi to people that are minorities or just say hi to them because they're Skin color is different than mine. What I look to do is to say hi to people that there's something on the inside. There's a neighbor of mine. I run by him all the time. Kept running on by him. His, his skin, skin color is very much darker than mine. A lot. But every time I'd run by him, he's always smiling. Every day, he's just smiling, 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 smiling. And I, it just drove me crazy. I said, man, he's just always smiling. I've got to find out who he is. And so I was running on by. He's sitting out on his porch. And so I just stopped running and walked up to him. And I just said, 
Hi, my name is Steve. He said, hi, my name's Mike. And uh, I said, I always see you when I'm, running by, when I'm running by here, and you always have a smile on your face. I said, that is so neat. And it's a good smile. It's not just a smile. I mean, it's a smile that just infects you. And then we started we start ch- chatting, found out he's retired, has a place down in Cape May. He and his wife go to going down there and, and hang out down in Cape May. And we were talking about Cape May a little bit and some of the things were there and talking about other things around the neighborhood and how long he'd been there, where he had worked and so forth. And after uh, about 30 minutes, I had pretty well sufficiently stiffened up after the run. And I said, I really need to get going. <laughs> so we got going. But, um, you know, I, I run into people that have the same color skin as I do, and I don't get that same witness. And I don't go up and just chat with them. But I, my family will tell you, sometimes we're just walking in the store. I just get a, a, a witness of, with somebody. I don't care what's good. Well, they could be white. They could be brown. It don't matter to me. If I get that witness, I'm going to go up and talk to them. That witness doesn't always mean they're Christian. Sometimes that witness just means go talk to them. Whatever it might be. Don't let divisions come in. Don't ever let divisions come in. Because it's up to you whether they do or not. The media is going to try. They're going to do everything they can. Don't let them do it. Whether the people of your same race or a different race. Whether you're your same belief, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, whatever it might be, or not. Because you can have fellowship with Baptist folks. You can have fellowship with Episcopal folks. You can have fellowship with folks that believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Maybe they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the healer. But you know what? There's a lot of areas you can have fellowship on. Fellowship on the areas where you can have commonality. Find that. See, suddenly Peter changed because fear got hold of him. The enemy, the news media, even people in political circles are going to try and stir up fear on the inside of you. Here's the thing they're going to be trying to do now. They're already setting the, the groundwork for this. You watch them. They're going to be trying to do this. They've done it before. That's why I know they're going to do it again. They're going to try and circumvent the, the U.S. Constitution. And they're going to begin to sow into your mind reasons why we need to eliminate the Electoral College. It's in the Constitution, folks. There's a reason for it being in the Constitution. And if you've never seen all the, the uh, wherewithal, why they did it. There's good reasons for why they did it. Real good reasons. But you see, if you let that set in, all right, if you let this part go, then you're going to let this part go. If you let this part go, you're going to let this part go. Don't do it. It's in there for a reason. Don't let people say, well, we can just, just ought to get rid of this. used to be in our Constitution that it was illegal for the government to tax you the way they do now. You know what happened? An amendment went through where personal income tax was legal for the rich only. It was Personal income tax was illegal. But see, an amendment was passed, so certain taxes that were illegal are now legal. But it was only for the rich. How many of all, all just found out today, just now, found out that you are rich? <laughs> you didn't know that before, but now you know you are rich. How did that happen? Because people let go what the Constitution was doing to protect you. The Constitution is the first time that a government, uh, either, uh, something was written to, to restrict the government from what it could do to its people. Most 
empowered the government to do things to the people. The Constitution was the first one written to keep the government from doing things to you. And that's why it's always under attack. Don't let them, don't let them mess with it. You stand there and say, no, I believe that God the Father was behind. And you, for those of you who didn't, weren't around when we did this before in the Constitution, we saw that uh, uh, present, uh, Keith brought it in, a presentation on it. The Constitution was not written by a bunch of white people. Don't think that. It was not written by a bunch, bunch of white men. It was very racially intermixed as to who had input on that. There was a number of black pastors involved in the Constitution. And if you go back to some of the paintings that were done at that time, you'll see them in the paintings. But what do they tell you now? It's a document written by a bunch of white people. And it excluded the rights of all the others. It's not the truth. It's not the truth. Don't, don't let it go. Because see, fear comes in. When we begin to think fearful thoughts. Peace of God cannot rule in your heart if you bring fear in. Don't let it. The peace of God is there to help you. It's there to bring you along. All right. Well, where do we leave off at? In Galatians. Verse 16. Let's go back to 14 and read it all again here. But when I saw that there were not, not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So here's what happened here in Antioch. The peace of God had led them into a pattern. This was the pattern of behavior. This pattern of behavior said, it is okay for the Jewish people to sit on down here with the Gentile people and eat, even though their Jewish law, not the Bible, the Jewish law forbade them from doing it. But they, they were the peace of God saying, go ahead and do it. Remember Peter with the vision that he had on the mountain or the, the, the upper room had that vision. And the peace of God was telling them, go with the people. Because when the three came and said, we're here for Peter, the Lord told us to come to this house for Peter. Peter had a decision, didn't he? Go, don't go. What's that a job for? The peace of God. Because it's going to umpire. Safe or out. In or fair. That's what it's going to do. Ball or strike. So it's going to, that's what the peace is going to do. You have a choice between two things. It's going to umpire and say, this is the one you should do. You could not listen to it, but it's there to umpire your life and to help you out. And so they had this umpire going on inside. It's okay. Go out there and do it. And then all of a sudden, they got another choice. The Jewish people came in. Continue to do what you have been doing or change. And they changed. Was that the peace of God who led them to that? No. The Word of God tells us it was fear. And see, fear will slip in just this quick and get you to make a decision based on fear, which is the fear of loss, a fear that something might happen, whatever. Fear can have all kinds of uh, faces, but it's going to come into your life and it's going to try and get you from this point on to make that decision based on what you will lose, what you might not gain, what you could gain if you made this, this decision this way. And it's a fear. If I don't make this investment, I'm not going to get this money. 
And a fear can be coming on, come on you to make you go out there and do it. No, the peace of God is there to umpire your life. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It's up to you to do it. You have to, to let that happen. And the peace of God will do all kinds of things. The peace of God will tell you, not lead you into, that's, that's good. What, that's, what that person's teaching, what you're hearing over here, that's good. It also say, no, that's foul. That's out. Don't, don't be taking that. And so the peace of God just ruled for me. Yes, accept it. No, don't. That's going to keep me out of false doctrine. If I just listen to the peace of God. The peace of God is there to help you out. The peace of God has two functions. Joy has the function of strength. The peace of God has the function of stabilizing your life and umpiring your decisions. See, a lot of times we are praying things from God that He has provided in what He's already given us. We've only covered two things so far. Joy and peace. How many times have you ever said, Oh God, give me strength. You ever made that prayer? Yeah, it's unscriptural. Unscriptural. I've prayed it too. I'm not to pick it on you. I've prayed it until I learned better. <laughs> oh God, give me strength. What's God saying? Gave it to you. It's in the joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. strength. That's your joy. That's, that's your strength. That's what it is. So what do you, if you need strength, what do you need? I need joy. If you need joy, how are you going to get it? Being joyful. Not being happy. Being joyful. Get strong. We pray to God. It says, oh God, I don't know what to do here. Should I go left? Should I go right? Should I say yes? Should I say, oh, God, please help me. May Help me make this decision. Oh, and we go over this agony for days. What's God doing? I gave you the peace of God. The peace of God is to rule in your hearts. Let it rule. Why are you messing with praying for this thing? You already got it. You already got it. Oh, God, help me in this storm. It's tossing me to and fro. Oh, it's messing with me. Oh, God, help me with this. Oh, God, I just feel like I'm going to die. Oh, what's God doing? The peace of God will stabilize you. It keeps you firmly grounded. You don't need to pray to God to help you to stay firmly grounded in the storm. You don't need to pray to God and ask for strength. You need to pray to God and ask for God, help me with this decision. Right, left, right, wrong. Help me to decide. You don't need to pray to God for that. You've already got it. Now, we're only a little bit in on this series. How many prayers have we already eliminated for you? I hope we eliminated some. Because if you pray and ask God for what He's already given you, you are asking in unbelief. And you know what else? You're not trusting God in the things that he said. Don't do it. But see, the enemy will come in and say, you, need to, you better ask God. You better ask God about this. You got this decision. You better be praying. On, you better be on your knees and asking God about this thing. He's trying to get you into a wrong type of prayer. Trying to get you into a wrong action. Don't be doing it. Don't be messing that way. Because once you do that, you're throwing the peace of God out. The peace of God's not going to be in your life helping you out. Peace is important. We've got to walk in the peace of God. 
So while there came, other people came in, the pattern was altered. Fear came in. What are these people going to be thinking? People are going to be dispatched into your life to get you to be afraid of what they will think. Maybe these people won't think I'm aligned with this cause. Maybe these people will think that I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe these people will think that I'm going in this direction. So, go in the direction that God tells you to go. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Don't let fear. Because if you let the peace of God rule in your hearts, you'll have stability when the storm comes. We still have more to do in the area of stability and the peace of God. This is more of it on the, on the ruling part. But can you see where even Peter, Peter got messed up. Barnabas got messed up. And then Paul comes out and he does correction. Do you remember the four levels of correction? Correction inward. I hear from the Spirit of God. I hear something talk from the Word. I'm reading the Word of God. I make the correction on my own. I hear and I make the correction. Best case scenario. Of course, the best thing is not to miss it. But if you do miss it, that's the best thing to do. Listen to that inward witness. Second one, external. Somebody has to come along and tap you on the shoulder. But it's private. Just talking about it. Hey, you look like you're, you're moving off here. I can choose to listen. I can choose to reject. Third case, rebuke. Outright rebuke. Peter is being rebuked here. Peter got rebuked from Jesus. We saw all the people who got rebuked. Rebuke came. It's generally more public. It's uh, more forceful. Not everybody comes back from it. Glory to God, Peter came back from this. Because a lot of Christians, they may not have, this, this may have been too much for them. But he, uh, he took it and apparently talked very highly of Paul in his letter after this. So uh, he, he's back on board with Paul. Paul, Paul helped me out. So it was a good thing. The fourth area, subtraction. You start to lose stuff. Things start being dropped out of your life. And that's not God's best. It's not his way. But that's uh, what happened. You saw that with Saul. Saul began to lose some things in his life. Other people too. Saw that with Lucifer. Lucifer lost some things. Subtraction. But the peace of God is here to help you out. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So we get into this next week. We're going to look at that st- stabilizing factor of what the peace of God will do. But is the peace of God rolling in your hearts? Get some of those folks. I, t- I tell you all the time. I know some people listen. Some people, you, you, you're going to do whatever you're going to do. But get those news people out of your house. Don't bring them in. I'm very selective about where I get my news from. And the night of the elections, I had no TV on. I did look at my, my uh, phone app and looked at the map. But I listened to no one because I, I, wasn't gonna, I didn't want to hear what they had to say. You just got to be careful about that because you, you get the wrong things on the in, in the input. It's going to be hard to guard against it. Keep your listening right. Block out those people. That, um, yeah, those news people, most of them, they're listening to the wrong source, folks. And then they're trying to pump it into you. Don't let them do it. Would you all stand up with me? Father, I thank you that you have given us peace. I thank you, Father, that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. It is a guard for us. It will keep us on the right path. It will keep us 
on the right direction. There are some of you here that fear is knocking on your door. Fear is trying to get you to make a decision, a wrong decision, go in a wrong direction. That's what fear is trying to do. You, you may not notice it as fear. You may know it that it is fear. Whatever it is, it's, it's knocking at your door. It's trying to get you to make a decision based on fear instead of the peace of God. Listen to that peace. Listen to the peace. Envision yourself making that decision and seeing that, that check down here in your spirit. Not your head. Down in your spirit. It's a peace that passes understanding. It's not a peace that's in your mind. It's a peace that's down in your spirit. Pray about that situation. Envision yourself going out in this direction. What's that doing to your spirit? Envision yourself going out in this direction. What's that doing to your spirit? Where do you feel the peace at? Listen to the peace of God. It's keeping you along the way, the right way. Going in the right path. What's the peace of God trying to direct you into? Trying to keep you away from? You rest in His peace. It's supposed to be an all-the-time thing, not something that just comes and goes. It's an all-the-time thing. You can just rest in that peace. And even though the world is falling apart around you, you just listen to that peace on the inside. And you're good. The enemy is not going to put fear on you. You're not going to be in fear about the economy. You're not going to be in fear about money. You're not going to be in fear about riots, about things that might happen. You're going to rest in the peace of God. And you can do it. It's up to you. Let the peace of God rule you. It's up to you to do it. Jesus told us, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. It's up to you. Have things happened this week that have caused your heart trouble? Have things been going on that are causing your heart trouble? What did Jesus say about it? Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be. It's up to you. Neither let it be afraid. Every head bowed. If you're here today and you say, fear has been knocking on my door. I may have realized it before. Maybe you just realized it today. But fear has been knocking on your door. Trouble has been trying to get in. How many of you would say, right now where you're at, trouble, fear are trying to get into your life. Knocking on the door, trying to get you to take, take hold of what it is that they're saying to you. You're going to raise your hand. Something's going on. Something's trying to take you in a different direction. Father, you see the hands that are raised. I thank you, Father, that the peace of God rules in our heart. It's something that we allow to happen. We're not going to let the people that we are surrounded with, we're not going to let the words that are spoken around us, we're not going to let the reports that come in trouble us or cause us fear. We're going to have our mind stayed on you, on the things that you say to do, not what the world would have us do. 
Father, I thank you for it. I give you the praise and the glory for it. Father, we have been given the love of God. It has been poured out on the inside of us. We have your love at our disposal to love all those that are around us. And I thank you, Father, that we can. Whether they are different color skin, or they have beliefs that are different from ours, their habits, customs that are different from ours, whatever it might be, we can love them. Thank you, Father. That love is powerful on the inside of us. It's strong. It's good. We give you the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go today, we have some praise reports. After the service today, we're going to be looking at the End Times Temple. If you have not been out any, any of the End Times class, this one is not very dependent on any other one that has gone on. It kind of stands by itself. But we're going to be looking at this third temple that will be built. And a lot of things have been said about it being built on this original site. We're going to show you some things in the Word that is probably not going to be built on the Temple Mount. Now, if you can make it, great. If you can't, you will miss all the things we're going to be putting up on the screen. We have a lot of things to put up on the screen for you to see so that you can actually see what we're talking about, why it would be almost impossible for the new temple to be built on the Temple Mount. And it's not impossible because of man. It's not impossible because of what's there. It's impossible because of what God said. And if you don't know what God said that makes that impossible, we'll show you here this afternoon. But we're going to show you in pictures too. We're going to show you what God said and we're going to show you the picture. And you'll see exactly why. Man, that'd be tough for that to happen and for the temple to be built on the Temple Mount. But there is a location that would not be a problem for Israel to build a temple on at all. And it's completely open. And it has a lot of historical significance. And there's also a prophecy that seems to indicate that this is where it's going to be. So we're going to cover all that. If you can't make it out, we do have them recorded. But um, like I said, this is probably more dependent than most of them on some things we're going to throw it up there on the screen. So that's going to be, be going on after the service. All right. All we have is prayer requests today. Well, we have a prayer report over there. Okay. Very good. Anybody else have some praise reports? Yes, no. All right. Start on this one and heads over to the second page. Is that right? Okay. All right. So these are both from Ento. She says, after I returned from my trip, she was on a missions trip to Nigeria. All right. So I fell sick in the days that followed. Um, everything was congested. I was coughing and had a fever. Um, as we were praising and worshiping during service today, Right before the offering, I felt something lift from me. Praise the Lord. I suddenly noticed my nasal passages felt clearer, and I could sing louder and better. Glory to God. Hallelujah for healing you. Amen. Praise God. How many of you know the anointing can heal? Amen. Um, She also says, thanking God for a wonderful week in Nigeria, for the souls that were saved, for the many that got healed, for the many that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and for all the great things the Lord had done and will continue to do in Nigeria. I thank God for his protection over us, for keeping the team safe and bringing us home safely. So many things to be thankful for. Thank you for your prayers, and I give God all the praise and the honor. Well, we're glad you're back, too. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing some of those praise reports. Do you want to do those, and then we'll... Yep. All right. Some uh, things to keep in mind here as we are praying this week. Jim Stortenbecker is facing an unknown ailment. He had a lot of tests done this week that they uh, brought some people in to get done. Apparently they were seeing something that was getting them concerned. 
So he's uh, asking for prayer for body and spirit. Peace of God. Just peace of God will rule in his life. That he will let he will let that. And he will. He's very willing to to do that. Angela is fighting a sinus infection, and uh, Lothar is in Grandview Hospital with. A, does this say a small pneumonia? I don't think I've ever heard that phrase before. I either hear it's either there or it's not. Just a small area. Okay. So he's in the hospital to treat him with uh, IV. Uh, All right. All right. Father, we just thank you that you are ministering to the people who are not here. Those that we know about with Jim, the Father, you just build up that word that is in him. And the Father, the peace of God is in his life. And I thank you, Father, that he stays in the joy of the Lord, which is his strength. And you have equipped him to fight anything the enemy wants to try and throw his, his way. We thank you for it. Thank you that Angela, free from sickness and disease, that sinus infections will not linger in her life. And we thank you, Father, that Lothar knows how to believe God, knows how to stand on the things of the Word, and that no pneumonia can reside in him. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Everybody from um, yesterday, we got together, uh, the ladies' ministry, and, and filled up most of the boxes uh, for the shoe boxes for children. And I think we have almost 50 of them over there. So praise God for that. We still have a few things to add to them, so they're not quite ready to go off. Those of you who did say you were going to bring things today, if you did bring them, that's great. Um, I'll take them next door and continue to fill them up. But how many of you know what's coming up in a couple weeks? Anybody? What's coming up in a couple weeks? No, after Thanksgiving. Christmas. We're going to have our family Christmas night, our family game night here at church, and we're going to get everybody all excited about it. Allie has a game again. After, how many of you enjoyed that game that, that they did last week? It's funny. It's, it's going to Thank you. Nas, we thank you. We thank you. I'm hoping that today we'll get more hands that they like it. Um, you need this move, don't you? So we're going to do another teaser um, of different games that will be done that night. And really invite your friends to come. Invite people that, you, that don't go to church to come. Um, we have, Allie, right now, how many children do you have? Is it 26? 26 children that we'll be sponsoring this year. Praise God. So if you haven't spoken to Allie already and you'd like to sponsor a child or even just buy a gift for a child, see her after service today. So how many have never, this is very, very, very first time hearing about December 3rd, 6.30, our game night. Very first time hearing about it. Your very first time? Okay. So the other rest of you have heard about December 3rd, 6.30 is our game night. How many of you are planning to come December 3rd at 6.30? Have those planning to come, how many have invited somebody? December 3rd at 6.30. Neighbors, coworkers, countrymen, friends, invite them. We are having, there's a lot of moving parts. We have 26 children, 26. I had requests for over 55. I've been turning them away every day because people are just coming out of the woodwork. So we have 26 that Zoe is sponsoring. That's between, I think it's 10 or 11 families. So that's 10 or 11 families that are going to be here, sitting amongst us, talking amongst us. They will get gifts before they leave. Everyone that comes, you, your aunts, your uncles, your coworkers, your bosses, everyone that comes will have an opportunity to play the games, which means an opportunity to win prizes, gift cards, and everyone that comes will get a 50-50 ticket and a chance to win the grand prize, even if you don't play a game. So you might just get to sit there and walk out the big winner. 
December 3rd, 6.30, here, game night. Fun stuff, yeah? Okay. I need you, your bipart. Come here. I need four names. Four? Four names. Because if anybody forgets that it's December 3rd at 6.30, you won't forget these games. That's why we're doing this. Give you a little taste of what's going to happen. Who are my peoples? Uh, yeah, put that back. <laughs> no. Who do we got? Oh, Jen, come on down. Woo! Everybody give her some give her some love. Come on. I have a sleeping kid on me, and I'm asking you to cheer. Get her. Come on. Woo! Yay, Jen. Miss Marguerite, come on down. We love her. Woo, woo, woo. I need two more. Who we got? Come on. Josiah. Come on, Joe. And who do we? Miss Candy. Woo! Come on down. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. All right, Joe, you're going to be up here. And I guess we'll have Miss Jen. You'll stand up here, too. Scooch down a little bit. Scooch, 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 scooch. Everybody say hello to our Christmas trees. Yay, Christmas trees. We love it. That means you guys are our Christmas tree decorators. You each have equal amounts of decorations that must be on your tree. Okay? The rules are as follows. There is no time limit except that each decoration must be on the tree. There may only be a total of one decoration in the palm of each hand you can't just say hey joe hold these 10 things doesn't work that way one decoration in the palm of each hand if it falls off you got to put it back on miss connie is going to be our judge she's going to see when it's empty and when they're all on you guys again from sharon this way and from nas that way you guys are for miss marguerite you guys are for candy if you don't cheer they don't decorate they're going to just stop i'm going to tell them that's the order all right oh yeah it's not fair so here's what we're going to do. You each, again, equal, equal, equal. The same amount of tinsel. I didn't count each strand, but we're going to go with the same amount. Same amount of balls, all of that jazz. Who's taking pictures? You got pictures? All right. Ready to cheer? Yes? Yeah. Woo! Ready and decorate. Go, 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 go. Come on. Arms out. Hold your arms out. You're a tree. Come on. Be a tree. <laughs> you got the same amount of stuff. Just get it on. It can go wherever they want it to go. It's a tree. She's decorating it. Come on. This is really sad cheering, people. Woo! Come on, come on, come on. You can do this. I love it. I've never seen a stocking hung in such a way before. This is great. I love it. Well, we were decorating in new ways. Woo! Let's go, let's go, let's go. They got this. There we go. Thank you, Corey. We got some tunes. Don't move. Don't drop it. Lowest tree decorating ever. Maybe we should have a time limit next time. Just saying. Come on. There's there's glasses. There's ears. He's got a tie on. There's all kinds of ways we can do this. Please don't pick anybody. I know. I know. Right there we go. See now we're getting creative. I like it. Let's go. Come on. Woo! There's. I should not be the only one cheering. Woo! Come on, people. There you go. <laughs> Just don't sneeze, Joe. It will all come tumbling down. Where's my judge? Judge should be up here. You've got to make sure that the baskets are empty. Hello. Yep. The first person to empty their basket and it's all on top wins. Don't be, like, encouraging him or anything, Joe. Come on. Yeah, well, that too. Come on, Lou. Come on, Miss Candy. Woo, Candy. Candy. Can't. Nobody. I can. I'm the only one. Come on. Y'all, don't let me down now. Come on. I know how competitive you are. I've been in this church since day one. I know this. We got it? Almost? Almost? No? Oh, one more? What? Two more? Woo! Two more! Come on, come on, come on! I can't see candies. How many we got? 
Don't sneeze. Don't move. Don't tickle him. Hang it on his pocket. There we go. There we go. Woo! She wins! And Miss Marguerite is our winner. Well, actually, Marguerite and Joe. Good job, Joe. Woo! All right. Now, if you'd be so kind, please undecorate your trees. <laughs> we forgive. We forgive. All right. Thank you. Thank you, all participants. Woo! Good job. I know, right? We can undecorate them. Put them back. So, December 3rd, 6.30, we have more. Yeah, smile at the cameras, people. Um, We have games for ages 3 and up. We've got some variations on these games. With that being said, it's not as... um, Okay, eyes on me. One, two, three, eyes on me. It is not going to be as... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, We don't need as many hands involved as we did last time. It was a big concert. There was a lot of moving parts. However, I do still need some volunteers. Oh, wait, so we're done here. I do. I need at least two volunteers. Three would be wonderful. I need someone who's going to be here to help sign people in. Everybody's going to get a name tag. Everybody needs their name put in the basket. There's 50-50 tickets going out, so on and so forth. The same thing is going to ap- apply afterward. We're going to have cake and, and, and uh, or not cake, cookies and, and hot chocolate and stuff as we're handing the gifts out. That's your opportunity Again, to be talking, to be, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe not see you tomorrow. Um, are we doing games? This? Yeah, leading up to Christmas. Yeah, okay. So, oh, shush. After game night, it's it, that's the first weekend of December. Every Sunday after that, much like this, we're going to be doing a simple little game like this as well. That's our draw to get them back in from that Sunday to Christmas. Say to them, hey, I'm going to, I'll beat you. I'm going to, whatever it's going to be. No, no, I'll beat you. We're going to be nice Christian people. But I'll see you that following Sunday for whatever the, whatever pastor says the gift is going to be. It's probably going to be some sort of gift card, something monetary that's going to keep them coming back every Sunday. Um, shish. But again, we only have, we have 26 kids that have registered. There's only a handful that do not have sponsors. That's phenomenal to me. I think that's, that's awesome. If you would like to take a kid, if you'd like to take half a kid, you say, I can't do the whole three to four gifts, but I can do one or two. That is fine. If you're not a shopper and you want to just say, here's 20 bucks, that is fine. Whatever works for you, whatever God's telling you, whatever you have in your budget to do. Um, and if you would like to volunteer, I need to know ASAP, depending on how many hands I have, how many volunteers we have really depends on how much we're able to do. So if I know who I've got, I can, I can plan accordingly. December 3rd, 630. Yeah. Okay. I have, people, I have another reason for bringing them out. For just, just inviting them out for church hasn't worked all that well for all, for everybody here. So we're trying to find other reasons to, to bring them on out. So this is something, uh, Alyssa had, uh, thought of. Actually, she praying about it and this is what God told her to, to do, and this is what we're look, looking to do. Games are not something. This is not why we come to church. I understand that's not why why you and I we why we come to church, but it's uh, it might be a reason that we can get some other people to come to church, and so that's why we're doing it. We're not here. We're not doing this to entertain you all. We're doing it to try and get other people to come on out, and to give you a reason to invite some people. So invite them on out to the game night, and then in the subsequent Sundays, Sundays leading up to Christmas, they're going to be hearing a lot of things about. Christ, about the birth of Christ, about being saved. And then at the end of that, we'll have the the game for them, and hopefully that's something that uh, in, intrigues them about coming on out. So that's why we're doing it. We're not here to try to tur- turn church into something entertaining that it's not supposed to be. We're just trying to, for the Christmas season, 
to get some people to give you all a reason to bring people on out. So that's why we're doing it. And uh, the, the, the children, the 26 children we have so far, nine of those children are sponsored by people that don't even come here. She put out on Facebook for people to, to jump in and sponsor. And so uh, nine of those kids were picked up by just folks on, on Facebook. And I guess the opportunity is still there that others might still come on in and, and do that. You ought to hear some of the stories, though, that we get. It's just uh, this, this, it's the kind of fam- families we really want to try and help out and to, uh, and to do. So uh, we appreciate all you folks that have picked up some, some children to, to sponsor and to do. But that's our, our purpose. That's our reason for, for doing this. So uh, it's not something we're going to carry on after the, the Christmas time. It's just we're just doing this right now just to get the folks to, to come on out and to, to be a part of it. So invite them. Big part. And the reason that we're all participating is we don't want them to feel like, oh, it's just for us. Those are not a part of the church. And they're going to feel like they stand out. So if we are participating with them, then they're not feeling like they stand out as much. So that's the, the reason for it. So get, uh, you know, get comfortable with it best you can. And uh, I know this is not why you all come to church. We're not trying to change your reasons for coming to church. We're just trying to give you a reason to invite other people to come on out to church with you. All right. Hopefully we'll see some of you here at the uh, end times class and go out and get something to eat if you want to. Otherwise, we will see you. We're here on Wednesday for uh, Colossians. Uh, this Wednesday we're here. Next Wednesday we are not. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving. But uh, this Wednesday we are here for, for the service. And then, of course, over the, over the weekend. Men, we have the men's night out on the 18th. We're going to be going to see the movie Jack Reacher. Get it right this time. 8 o'clock. Going to get together for some uh, dinner and then head on out to the movie after that. Keith is getting the details of this together. If you have any questions on it, see Keith. He should also be sending out a message about it you can respond to. But if you have any questions beforehand... Uh, check with Keith. He'll have all that for you as far as movie times and where we're going and things like that. Have a great rest of your week. Bless some folks before you go.